Hey there, true crime lovers. Welcome back to another episode of Coffee and True Crime. I'm your host, Melissa, and today we're going to be talking about the murder case of Angela Simota. So I just want to give a little backstory about Angela. Angela was 22. She was majoring in electronic engineering and computer science while working part-time at a Texas instrument area or place, sorry. Um, Her friends actually called her a triple threat. I saw this a lot, a lot when I was researching this case. Um, They called her smart, beautiful, charming. She had everything going for her. So when, you know, when she got murdered, everyone was just like in shock because this girl had a lot of, she had a lot of stuff going for her. Um, She did have a boyfriend named Ben McCall. Ben um, worked in construction, and he was working in Dallas on a project for his company. And she did live in the Dallas area, but Dallas is so big. So, just want to say that. Um, So, on Friday, October the 12th, 1984, Angela and her two friends, I'm going to butcher this name, and I'm probably going to say it in every episode, I'm going to butcher this name, um... Kadaly and her other friend Russell went bar hopping in the Dallas area. Angela actually invited her boyfriend to go out, but he declined because he, you know, he had to work. He he was working in a construction area. They don't just get Monday through Friday. Um, but he had to get up early that next day. Angela drove Kadela and Russell to the nightclub. Uh, there was one that they went to. The first one was Studebaker's. Um, sometime that night, Angela actually called Ben. To meet her at the Rio room. Now, this Rio room is a club, but it's with members only in, like, the back room. So, she called Ben. Ben said no. You know, he had to get up early. But the Rio room, like, the members was very hard to get into. That's what I kept reading. Um, And somehow, like, Ben didn't get her in there. Apparently, she got herself in there. Um, But a lot of people, like, witnesses... Of, like, her being there. A lot of them said that she knew everyone. She was so, like, happy. She was talkative. Like, she she just was talking to everyone. So, that was another thing that kind of, like, reminded me about myself is, like, I know a lot of people in my town because my town is kind of-ish small. So, I literally can go, like, into the grocery store and see someone and, like, talk to them. But, anyways. So, around one one thirty, Angela drove Russell home. And then... She drove Kadela home to her apartment to, to get a curling iron because Angela was actually going to stay the night. But Kayla didn't end up spending the night with Angela because she had to get up early the next day. So Angela dropped Kadela off at her dorm. And then Angela actually made a pit stop. So she drove actually to see her boyfriend. And they talked for a good like 15-20 minutes. And then Angela went on her way home. So 15 minutes later, Ben actually got a call from Angela. Ben said that she was acting really, really weird. Angela really wouldn't tell him anything um, until he kept, like, bugging her about it. He, He eventually got it out of her. She said that she let a man into her condominium to use the bathroom and the phone. The next thing he knew, the phone hung up. So, she, one thing that she did say to Ben is that, you know, I'm on the phone with you. This guy's here. 
I thought I would be safer if I'm on the phone with you. I kept reading that. I really didn't know if it was like an exact quote from her, but a lot of resources said that's what she said to Ben. So, of course, you know, Ben started freaking out. He called, he, you know, he kept calling and calling and calling um, while he was way to her condo. It was locked. He knocked on the door. He called her again. He heard her phone in the kitchen. So Ben called the police. The police came. They had to get the key from, I guess, the landlord of the condominium, like whoever had an extra key. Um, so the police went in there and they found Angela's body. Her body was in the second room naked with her eyes open. She was hanging off half of the bed and appeared that her heart had been cut out. Um, she was also sexually assaulted. So something else is that they were like searching for Angela's body. It wasn't in the, you know, in the kitchen. It wasn't in the the living room they thought that maybe she was hiding but unfortunately we knew what happened they were looking at the crime scene um you know they were looking at everything they were looking through the timeline of everything and they think when ben got to angela's apartment that's when he slit her throat to be quiet now me I can see where, like, you could slit someone's throat to be quiet, but I feel like I would, like, scream. And it wouldn't be as quiet as someone would think. But that's just me. I mean, I've never been in this situation. So, I have no idea. So, of course, when they walked in, no one was there but Angela. So, they started looking into people. So, they first looked into Ben. But he gave them consent to search his truck, his place, also gave him a sample of saliva and blood. Police say that the killer, oh, police state that he wasn't the killer. I was like, wait, he wasn't the killer. I said he was. Um, they looked into Russell. So Russell was her friend who she went dancing with at all those clubs. Um, they had trouble actually finding him, but later confirmed that he attended a wedding in Dallas on October 14th. Russell gave his uh, consent. And also a statement saying that he was, you know, the last time he saw her is when she dropped him off. Um, but he did give the sample of the blood and the saliva. But Russell is a non-secretor. So he could not be identified by his blood type because of the agents that would identify him in the blood types. This is very, very rare. So I was actually doing this case on Twitch and I was having a lot, a lot of people like help me out with this case and this word non-secreter came and I'm like, what is this? Hello? Like, what is a non-secreter? So basically he, in like the dumb version, like I had to have is they needed a hair or a fingerprint to place him in the crime scene so he can literally spit and have his blood all over the crime scene but they could never connect him unless they had a hair or a fingerprint so like and I still like am kind of like a little iffy on the non-secreter like I understand it but do I really like I think I do 
But if you have any questions, just Google it on the creator, watch a video. That's what we did. Um, but it was really interesting. Like I've learned so much of like actually researching these crimes. I am in love with it. Anyway, did look into two other people. Lance Johnson, Lance Johnson, Lance Johnson was actually a former boyfriend of Angela's and Joseph Barlow. He actually was like a creeper. He had like a really big crush on her. But of course, they they didn't come up to anything. They, they you know, they weren't the murderer. So the case went cold for about 20 years. This case went cold for 20 years, guys. So think of their family, think of the friends, you know. Like, that would be hard. So in 2004, Sheila Gibson was actually a friend of Angela's. She was reading a passage from her Bible um, when she saw a vision of Angela. When she saw that angel, angel, when she saw that vision of Angela, she said to herself she knew it was time and to get this over with. So the next couple of years, she was calling the Dallas police. She insisted to, on them to reopen the case. She uh, even became a PI herself in effort for police to reopen the case. So there is something that I do actually want to back up um, on Russell. They literally were interrogating Russell. Um, they were like, dude, just tell us you did it. Just tell us you did it. We know you did it, you know. And it was just... From what I was reading, they uh, they even had uh, Miss the Sheila, the girl that I was just talking about. That's why I didn't want to like bring up Sheila before I brought up Sheila. But anyways, so she actually wired like the police came up to her and wanted to wire her to go to dinner with Russell. She did it, and the whole time she was like, "I'm fixing to go." to dinner with a murderer. Am I going to die? Is he going to kill me then? Like, what's going to happen? But Russell's story never changed. So I think after they, like, wired Sheila and Russell's story never changed, that's when they kind of, like, went a little easier on Russell, but they still were in they, they still were thinking it was him. So, back to Sheila and what she did. So, a break finally came in 2006 when Sheila led Dallas police uh, and a detective, Linda Kroom, to pull DNA evidence from blood and semen and fingerprint samples. They traced it back to a DNA to Donald Bess. And guys, let me tell you, this guy looks like a creeper. Not even joking. Not even joking. I literally, like, when I put it, like, like I said, his picture will be on Instagram. He, I was like, whoo. And when I was on Twitch, I was like, wow, he looks like a creep. I'm like, I know. But, um, when, before, when Sheila actually saw who it was, this quote from Sheila said, and this is talking to the detective that she's like referring to the detective. She said, we got him. I thought she meant Russell when she said Donald Bess. I was thinking, I can't place this guy. Who is this? So, like I said, for 20 plus years, they thought it was Russell and Russell just got away. Um, Sheila actually did end up saying sorry to Russell. And the police actually called Russell and was like, yo, sorry, dude. You didn't kill her. He's like, yeah, 
I know. Uh, but Donald Bess was a convicted rapist out on patrol when he raped and killed Angela. So my thing is, is like, so what I've actually learned uh, through like listening to podcasts and researching is people on parole can literally just do anything, I guess. Like I literally thought these people on parole could, they like had to check in. They like the parole officer knew where they were. No. Because if they were, like, Angela would have never been murdered. Um, when the police actually found, when the police actually connected him to the murder, he was already serving a life in prison for another rape. In 1985, he kidnapped and raped another woman. Um, his death sentence, death sentence came in 2010. The jury deliberated for less, less than an hour, guys. Less than an hour. Um, he doesn't have a execution date yet, but he could file for a appeal for federal court. So, also, when I was doing this research, I found out that's not illegal. I thought it was. It's not. So, you can do one for, like, city court, and you can do one for federal court. But I guarantee you, if, he, if this guy even tries federal court they're gonna like laugh at him like you're not gonna go anywhere you raped and kidnapped a girl then you raped and murdered a girl you ain't going nowhere buddy you ain't going nowhere so guys that's the end that is the murder and solved crime of Angela Simona so let me know what you think about this case make sure you check out my Instagram which is gonna be coffee and true crime to see the pictures of Angela she was a very beautiful girl like she was she was stunning she was stunning guys um and then to see her her killer um but the instagram is coffee and true crime i hope y'all had a wonderful time listening to this podcast i'm so excited like i love doing this like i really thought i'd be so i was like really nervous my first episode i i like i could tell i don't know if other people could tell but like i'm in it now like i'm good i'm good <laughs> Um, but yeah, guys, so I hope y'all have a wonderful day. Let me know what you think about this episode and I will see y'all later. Actually, I'll see y'all next Tuesday. Stay safe, true crime junkies. Bye.